welcome to the Religion and Popular Culture podcast, where we talk about religion, popular culture, and everything in between. I am your host, Viviana Simos, and I am joined, as always, with my lovely co-host with the most host. <laughs> uh, it's Alan Thomas. How hi. are you, Alan? Hi, Vivian. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, I had a nice. Uh, we had a nice little break from recording for about a week or so. Mm. And uh, staying safe from the Omicron wave. Yeah, That's yeah. We're we're looking into potentially getting boosters at some point. Yes, but well, we have to wait until. Yes. Applicable to apparently, us. Apparently, um, all adults will have been offered one by the end of January, so we should hopefully get our. Well, I mean, we'll we're see. very we're very young, of course, so we're lower down the pecking order. That being said, I'll probably get mine before yours because I'm still in a different age bracket. Yes, because D- I'm very young. <laughs> Despite there only being a few years between us, we are in different age brackets. Um, but yes, uh, I've um, I've been seeing jokes about Omicron Wave on Twitter, and it just got me thinking about our last conversation that our lovely listeners may have heard about food. And religion, uh, where we were discussing Nigella Lawson, if you recall, yes, and her use of the micro Um So there's been a lot of Nigella filled memes <laughs> of late, which is excellent because we all love Nigella, right? The sexiest of memes, the sexiest of memes, the and the classiest of memes. <laughs> Something very. Do love me some Nigella? Yes, yes, we love you, Nigella. Please appear on our podcast. Oh my god, that would be so... I could die happy. Yeah, that would be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> that would be great. Uh, well, today we are not talking about Nigella um, or food, although we might. Who knows? Who knows? But we're talking about tattoos, um, particularly about popular culture tattoos, because I think there is a lot that can be said about tattoos in general, mm. um, which we'll probably touch on maybe in a later episode somewhere down the line we'll we'll get a little bit more into other aspects of tattoos and stuff like that but i figured we'll we'll kind of chat about this a little bit more first um and i think we both have popular culture tattoos so we can speak from a place of academics as well as from insiders yes yes blurring those boundaries so i only have one uh, how many popular culture tattoos do you have, Alan? If you do not mind sharing. No, no, that's absolutely fine. All my tattoos are popular culture related, and I have four. Four. Um, five. five. <laughs> I beg your pardon. I've got five. So, what are your popular culture tattoos? Okay, so my first popular culture tattoo is um, on my left arm. I have the uh, spider from uh, My Chemical Romance's Danger Days record, which was their final record before they originally disbanded. Um, and uh, there were a number of reasons why I got it. Firstly, because I love My Chemical Romance. Secondly, I got it a few, not long after I'd seen them play. Uh, at the Reading Festival, uh, where they they headlined Reading and they gave a pretty, as as a as a My Chemical Romance fan, it was quite a special moment because when they first appeared at Reading in two thousand and six, just before the Black Parade came out, they got bottled. They were doing an afternoon set, and the crowd just threw bottles of uh, urine at them, and you know, it just generally behaved horribly. And um, they went off stage and. 
um, Gerard said to the band that they'll come back when they're headlining it. And lo and behold, four years, uh, five years later, they were offered a headlining slot. And they came back, and this time there were no bottles, there were no booing. It was just a, a triumphant set. And uh, Brian May from Queen appeared at the end of the set to play with them, which was great because they closed the set with Black Parade, which is filled with Brian May-esque harmonies on the guitar anyway. Um, so that was a... That, I'm sorry, I'm taking us off topic. Um, but that was a great <laughs> moment, and, I, and I'd and i been thinking about my chem tattoo anyway, and that was the moment where I thought, right, I'll get one. My second one is the... Appreciate none of the listeners can see this. It's the Green Day logo from Doogie their 1994 LP so it's the cloud explosion with the big green day letters and it, it, it looks like a it's basically a mushroom cloud um the artwork for dookie is very chaotic um it which is why it's best appreciated on uh, in the vinyl packaging because you can really see all the little details very chaotic artwork but it's also my favorite green day logo dookie's my fits dookie's my third favorite green day LP um but it was the one that worked best for a tattoo and i think their top three records are really really fantastic they've got some other fantastic records too just less said about the last record the better and my third tattoo is back to my chemical romance it's gerard way's handwriting because i always used to joke to toria that if i ever met gerard way I would get him to write Keep Running on a piece of paper, which was one of the recurring lines in the Danger Days era. I'd get him to write that on a piece of paper and I'd go and get it tattooed, thinking I'd never meet him. And then I did meet him and then I thought, well, now I've got to put my money where my mouth is. So I handed him a piece of paper and I very nervously said to him, oh, can you please write Keep Running on this piece of paper and I'll get it tattooed. And he didn't look at me like I was a mad person which is really nice because it must be really surreal to meet a complete stranger who says they want their your handwriting tattooed on them that must be i'm weird. sure they I, have I mean, met I, much stranger yeah. requests yeah i'm sure they've had much stranger requests and i'm no doubt not the first person to ask him for that one and what won't have been the last either but you see yeah, he didn't look at me like uh like um i i was a crazy fanboy and he very kindly signed it with his signature as well. So I got a signature underneath it. And within within three to five days, I had that done. Then my next one, we're almost there. Uh, my fourth <laughs> one is a puzzle piece with a rocket on it. And um, this rocket is the symbol of the band Patent Pending, or Patent Pending, if you want to be British, but <coughs> excuse me, um, they're from Long Island and they call themselves patent pending, so I've always just called them patent pending. Um, so a rocket is their uh, logo. And um, eagle-eyed friends of my, uh, me and my wife will have noticed that the corresponding puzzle piece is tattooed on my wife's arm. With the second half of the rocket and the flames coming from the bottom of the Aww. rocket, along with some pink and purple hearts. So the two puzzle pieces connect together. And that's because uh, um, Joe Rogosto from Patent Pending very kindly penned an original song for our wedding, All About Us, which is great. And uh, one of the lyrics was uh, two pieces of a puzzle. So we decided to get the Patent Pending symbol on two puzzle pieces, separated them. So she's got one on one arm, I've got one on the other. So 
I think there's a few things to unpack there in terms of popular culture. <laughs> um, and then finally, my most recent one is the um, is Little Beethoven, the character from the 18th Sparks album of the same name, Little Beethoven, which I think is um, the pinnacle of pop music. And um, I got this one partly because I absolutely love Sparks and I want another Sparks tattoo soon anyway. Um, but also because I find that what they did with Lil Beethoven, particularly at that stage of their career as well, when they were 18 albums in, the risk... I mean, they've always been a risk-taking band, but the risk they took there as a cult band with uh, a dedicated following, you know, they... And part of our... I, I still need to get you to listen to it, but it was very much an album that could have alienated the fan base. I mean, some people didn't gravitate towards it. That's fine. Um, but I think it's just a testament to their uh, commitment to an artistic vision above commercial success, which is very nicely documented in the new Edgar Wright film, The Sparks Brothers, which came out earlier this year. If you're an American <laughs> listener, it's available on Netflix. Go and watch it. You will have your mind blown by this kick-ass band. Well, more of an art project than a band, almost. Um, that is probably one of the most pretentious things you have ever said. Uh, no. They're more of an art project than a band. Okay, well, when I do properly introduce <laughs> you to Sparks, you'll know what I mean. You'll know what I mean. But yeah, I'm a little bit of a Sparks hipster. So yeah, those are my five tattoos. I can count. Um <laughs> Uh, those are my five tattoos, all pop culture related, and I think every single one I'll ever have is pop culture related, because mm. the next two I want, I want a Sparks one, and I want one of um, Morgana from Persona 5, who's the little cat, um, partly because he's a cat and also because I like Morgana, and there's a really cool like Morgana logo that they use where he looks like a ticking bomb, his head looks like a ticking bomb, it's I, great. I feel like we could talk a lot about mythology and connections there, but that's... Yeah. <laughs> that's going down another different um, rabbit hole so how about you Vivian what about your tattoos that are inspired I, by pop culture I only have one tattoo primarily because if I had more money I would have more tattoos um, and I think I've talked about it briefly in our Lord of the Rings episode but mine is the words of the one ring in their original ancient dark elvish um, wrapped around my upper arm uh <laughs> Of course. I would in, have gotten in it in invisible ink that you wouldn't be able to see unless you threw me in fire, but that was way an upcharge and I could not afford that level of ink. Um, so yeah, I, I got it on my arm and I got it for uh, quite a lot of reasons. Um, Lord of the Rings was one of the first pieces of popular culture that I thought talked about um, post-traumatic stress disorder mm. in ways that made a lot of sense to me and in ways that didn't like beat it over the head because I think Tolkien probably didn't even know that he was talking about PTSD at the time. Um, but he was and I, I thought it was really nice because a lot of those fantasy stories are always like and everyone got back to normal and everything was happy and it's like that's not how life works. Um, so I really appreciated that, especially as someone who didn't realize they were struggling with PTSD. It was nice to, to have that immortalized somewhere. And also Lord of the Rings was one of the first courses that I took in my undergrad. I took a class on religion and Tolkien, and it was the first time that I realized I could study religion and popular culture. It was a thing that people did. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it was a thing that people did really well. And I got excited about it. 
And uh, it's what made me change. Well, I didn't change. I added uh, a second major to um, my time at university during my undergrad. So I added religious studies. I would not have gotten a religious studies degree. I would not have gotten a master's and then a PhD and then moved here and met you and been doing this podcast if it wasn't for that one class. That one class and Lord of the Rings. So yeah, uh, so there was quite a lot of reasons for getting a Lord of the Rings tattoo and I, I quite like it. It was also very fun when I had it. Um, I was teaching at Durham and I was teaching in a religion department, obviously, and not everyone recognizes uh, what it is. And I had a lot of people thinking that I had a tattoo in Sanskrit because mm. I was in a religion department. So it must be some fancy religious meaning. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it is some fancy religious thing. It is. It's not what they expected. <laughs> uh, it was just always fun to kind of uh, to shock students with that and then have a discussion about religion and popular culture that they weren't expecting to have in the middle of our class. Yeah. So I think there's, yeah, there's a lot that can be talked about tattoos and we'll probably end up referencing ours um, as we kind of go through this, just mm -hmm. from a personal anecdotal standpoints. Um, as well as maybe tattoos that we know of from other people and things like that. Um, but there's a, a long history of tattoos before they became uh, the way that we use them today, uh, primarily in a lot of non-white societies um, that use tattoos in very uh, religious and, um, and not that this isn't religious, but that's different conversation, but in uh, very religious and sacred ceremonies. Um, the Maori are one example of, that are very uh, affront with their tattooing and their um, culture of tattooing. Um, so you can actually see a lot of that on, on a lot of Maori people. Um, still to this day that they have a lot of the tattoos and they are very meaningful in the way that they are constructed. And there's probably a lot that we can be talking about in the way that tattoos um, became, kind of got shifted into white society um, and and how that was appropriated and then kind of reappropriated back to those other societies and that kind of fluctuation. But that's probably a conversation for another point with someone who knows a lot more about the history of tattoos than I do. Um, but it, it's definitely, I, I do want to acknowledge that we are aware of the fact that tattooing has a much deeper and yes. longer history than what we will be talking about today. Yes, absolutely. And tattoos I, are particularly chosen, I think, a lot, even in this long history, because of the importance of the body. And we we yeah. talked a little bit about the importance of the body in our fashion episode for people who want to go back and listen to that one. But in it, we we mentioned a lot about how the body is a communication tool. Mm. We we think of communicating as something that is inherently only in the way that we speak, or or um, or different ways of speaking. Say, if we use sign language or something like that, so that's the way of still communicating. It's a type of speech, but we communicate in other ways as well, and in, in our body language and the way that we dress. And and tattoos are a really important part of this aspect of the way that we present ourselves. Um, and there's uh, a scholar by the name of Mary Douglas, for uh, people who have not read her, she's my anthropological hero, um, and she wrote a book called Natural Symbols, and in it she talks about how there are two bodies, there's a physical body and a social body, um, and that obviously these can interchange uh, and are affected by one um, of the other one. But we should think about the body as not just this physical thing that we are, 
but it's also a social thing. It's uh, it's a way that is impacted by our social understandings and values and ideologies, and we express those same cultures and ideas and ideologies back through our body. So it's something that we are constantly either embodying or purposefully not embodying and then communicating whether we are connecting or disconnecting from that through our body. So um, there's a huge aspect of this conversation that involves gender. Um, And I, again, (laughs) I think gender can be a whole nother episode. I don't know if we'll ever, we could probably have a whole series on just gender as it intersects with all of these other aspects of popular culture and religion and and how gender impacts all of these things. Um, But I, so I won't get into it too much. But I think it's important to know that, like, when we're talking about the communication of body, gender is a huge aspect of that. So when me and Alid are interacting in the world, I interact as girl, and people communicate and understand my interactions in the world as girl in ways that Alid does not. And it has nothing to do with our biologies. It has entirely everything to do with the social construction of gender and girlness mm-hmm. and and what it means for me to both look and move and dress as girl. Um, it comes back to the idea of the medium being the message as well. Yeah, exactly. About how so much we communicate is influenced simply by the way we look. Yeah. And there's, and you know, obviously if I... I am choosing to conform to certain understandings of what society has told me feminine and girl communicates as, Mm. um, which I could purposely not do. But by rejecting them and purposefully not doing that, I'm still having that conversation. Yes, 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 absolutely. And uh, that's a really important thing to, and even within this conversation of tattoos, it's important to to kind of remember that even if we are, if it is taboo, to have a tattoo in your culture or in your society or in your family, if you choose to get a tattoo, you're still engaging with the conversation of tattoo as taboo, but you're engaging with it as a demonstration of your rejection of these societal ideas mm. or as a as a connection to that taboo and saying that you are now also taboo, depending on how you want to take it and how you want to communicate your body. Um, yeah. So um, I, I think an example of, of this as well is the idea of shaved legs and, um, well, shaved body hair in general. Mm. Um, so I am expected to have a lot of my body hair removed in a way that Alan is not socially accepted to do. Um, and of course, I don't have to. I can choose to not shave my legs. But then if I go out in the summer without my shaved legs and I'm wearing shorts, I am making a social statement by doing that in a way that Alid uh, is or isn't, depending on how he treats his legs uh, mm. and chooses to bear them or not bear them in summer. Oh, people get to appreciate my legs in the summer. <laughs> I suddenly felt really awkward talking about bearing your legs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, don't, don't feel awkward at all. They're a treat for everyone. I always make sure that they're on show. Yeah. So it's... A, it's <laughs> Basically, what I'm trying to get to is having a conversation about how body control is an expression of social control. So Mm. whether we are um, continuing with that social control or we are rejecting that social control, um, control, uh, that is still a part or an expression of that control. It's very difficult to break a part of that. We are social beings and our beings are social. Well, here's a question for you. 
With your Lord of the Rings tattoo, are there certain social situations in which you would want to hide that tattoo? Mm. So in other words, would you find yourself in a social situation where you wouldn't want people to be noticing it? I I think the only time I've thought about it is when I have gone for job interviews. Mm. Um, and one of the reasons why I got it as high up on my arm as I did is because it's easier to wear a a shirt or a jacket and it would hide I had the exact, my arm very easily. Exact same thought process with my first two ones, the uh, the, the MCR spider and the Green Day one. They're both in places that are always covered by t- even by t-shirts. Because mm. I think, yeah, they're pretty much in the same place as your Lord of the Rings, so, you know, give or take. Um, and it was that effort of, oh, you know, it'll be easy to hide. Um, but now I've started having them on my lower arms because I just kind of think, oh, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I can still wear a suit to a job interview and they'd be covered. So they're not yeah. like on my hand or anything like that. I I don't know if I've applied or been in an interview with any job that they would have rejected me if I had a tattoo. Um, I don't think that's something that universities do very much. But it depends on who's no. interviewing you for those universities. Yeah. So yeah. I've, well, that's the thing with the universities I've worked in. Once once I'm in, it's been I've 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 just been happy to have them on show. But at the job interview, I I wouldn't want to take any unnecessary risks. And it's, it's quite interesting that we have this conversation today because I'm actually seeing my grandparents tomorrow for the first time in a couple of years. Obviously, you know, pandemic life and stuff. And the thought has already occurred to me, oh, I best wear my jumper tomorrow so they don't see my tattoos. <laughs> because while I have no doubt, you know, my grandmother would no doubt accept it and things. I know there would be that moment of, why have you got those? And, you know, it's a generational thing, yeah. I guess. Um, it's not always the case, you, but it certainly is with my grandparents. Do you find it awkward when people ask you about them to, no. like, explain it or something? Or do no, you not? I, I, I get disappointed when people don't ask me. <laughs> because you know what I'm like. You know, you know you've know you known me long enough now. I love talking about my pop culture interests. I could yeah, but I also know that you're super it. awkward. <laughs> Well, yeah, but then I guess that's a, this is a, but that's taking the conversation into somewhere I don't feel awkward. Fair. Because maybe, and maybe that's why I do crave it, because then it steers the conversation into, because often it's, uh, you know, talking about your tattoos, especially if they're related to popular culture, the sort of things that anyone can get into. But if I try talking about my research, for example, with friends of mine who have absolutely no interest in the study of religions whatsoever it's a real buzzkill i don't know if you've noticed this with you i mean but when but when i've started talking about like you know scientology and stuff and the things i research with non-academic friends i can just see their eyes glazing a little bit and and bless them they're always really polite and really supportive but i know that it's not really the conversation everyone wants to be having I I just had an image for a second of you getting a Scientology tattoo, but I know that you never would. But No, no, I, I would not. <laughs> uh, interestingly, uh, I, um, um, there've, there's been a few people recently on social media getting Scientology tattoos. And one particular one I thought was really interesting is a... <coughs> do excuse me. 
um, a Scientologist in the free zone, so this is Scientology outside the Church of Scientology, um, got a Scientology tattoo on his neck and it's very visible. But what I find really interesting about it is that it's the Church of Scientology logo. And usually the free zone is a rejection of the Church of Scientology or firmly draws a line between itself. But it's definitely a symbol that the Church of Scientology use in their marketing, the same font and design and so on. I, I just thought that was really interesting because, yeah. yeah, it's a very... If you asked me to show you a free zone symbol, I wouldn't know where to start because... Um, as I'll outline in my old dark talk next week, which <laughs> may well be on YouTube or something by the time this comes out. Um, the Free Zone is a collection of a whole different bunch of people with a whole different bunch of understandings of Scientology. So there isn't really a full-on marketing campaign for Scientology or a co uh, for Free Zone Scientology or a, co a coherent logo for Free Zone Scientology that you see and you think, okay, whereas the Church of Scientology has branded itself um in quite a neoliberal way actually um so the s this particular one was the s of scientology intertwined with two triangles and without getting into the ins and outs of the scientology tech those two triangles do have meaning in Aaron hubbard's spiritual technology but the s is interwoven between the two triangles and it's a church of scientology symbol one of many that they have because the church of scientology uses a cross as well and so forth um but yeah I, I, I just thought that was it was a very interesting moment because maybe he wanted something that is visibly scientologist yeah and i was gonna say because i guess if you if you don't have symbols outside of the established church then mm. what, what what do you tattoo yourself with yeah or do you just tattoo yourself with the word scientology i don't know and then the, i know there are some people in the um some people who've been in the Church of Scientology Sea Org, which is their um, best way I can describe it, is it's their um, monastic naval fleet, um, which is a phrase not many people have probably heard before, but it's kind <laughs> of like the closest way you could describe it to traditional religion in inverted commas is that it's like a monastic project and um, they're, they're like a naval fleet. They have navy uniforms and so on. And some of them have had the Sea Org symbol tattooed on their arms as well. Um, and it's a very naval symbol. I, I think what's interesting about this is that it seems to be more important. And granted, I'm, I'm definitely reading into this person without actually having a conversation with them. So I'm very apologetic if I'm absolutely wrong. But it seems more important to communicate the fact that they're Scientologists with those outside of it entirely, mm. rather than as a demonstration of separation of the church to free zone. Yeah. The separation between non-Scientologist and Scientologist is a more important distinction of the us versus them than the which, us which, versus them of the church. Which is a very interesting thing to happen because every interview I've ever done with a freeze on Scientologist, the 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 first topic that they ever get onto or the first or, or the main thread running through our conversation is we are not the Church of Scientology. That they make that abundantly clear and every single free zoner I interviewed did. And um to the extent that 
one of them describes himself as a Buddhist to outsiders because of the baggage that the word Scientology has and the unfamiliarity that people have with Scientology and it's, you know, and the fact that as far as public discourse goes and arguably a lot of scholarly discourse as well, Scientology and the Church of Scientology have been treated as the same. Mm. Uh, which isn't the case. So he would tell people that he's Buddhist because he simply sees Scientology as a technological Buddhism. Um, so there's always been this distinction. And if you go on to, if if you look up independent Scientology, which a lot of people prefer using now as a term, again, I'll get that into that in my talk <laughs> next week. Um, there's a really slick looking website. I think it's iscientology.org. Just search independent Scientology and you'll find it. And it's, the closest thing you'll find to a big free zone site that says this is what the free zone is. And mm. the and if you look up information about the, uh, under there, you know, who we are, what we do, those types of pages, the first thing that comes up is we are not the Church of Scientology. And all the other points are about the Church of Scientology do this, but we don't. We do that, the Church of Scientology don't. It's always boundaries being drawn between them and the church. So I was really fascinated. And it's only a couple of weeks ago I saw this to see a free zoner with a Church of Scientology tattoo. Yeah. Huh. Well, as you can tell from this conversation, <laughs> there is an interesting conversation about how um, tattoos communicate identity. Mm. And um, obviously, if the body is communicating identity, then tattooing is a way of marking the identity that you are trying to communicate in a much more straightforward way. So you can essentially read it. And uh, as much as we've been talking about a Scientology one, I think that that's actually a really great way of demonstrating how tattoos can be popular culture tattoos. And then tattoos themselves are also such a part of popular culture as well. Of using it as a tool to communicate identity and um, the, as, as I was saying, the us versus them thing of the I am Scientologist and I'm going to mark that on my body and, and using this kind of very popular culture thing that is at least even just 20 years ago was this pseudo taboo, why would you mm -hmm. mark yourself on your skin moment. And using all of these all kind of come together in, in a moment to really demonstrate loud to anyone who's just looking at you of who you are as an individual. Um, so, yeah, I think that's because uh, when when it comes to kind of marking as popular culture or as religion, you're you're marking yourselves and your identity with narratives and those narratives are on your body and then they can be read as narratives. Um but maybe not necessarily in quite the same way, but still being read in in some fashion. I, mm. I wrote a blog post about this when it when it had just happened and it's now like two years old or something like that. But there was a season of Love Island. Of course where there was. I I mean there's always a season of Love Island. I think it was season four. Um where there was a guy named Chris who got on a bit late, but really made a mark. His his personality was amazing, and he's so funny. But he had he was just a mood. He was such a mood on um on Love Island, where he would wear like big flowy kimonos, 
and he would always have his hair up in like a towel wrap and would wear like three sunglasses at once and like (laughs) (laughs) but there's there's a still frame of him with his hair up in a towel and he's wearing like some kind of two glasses thing going on and someone got that still frame in a more stylized version tattooed on them so it's Mm -hmm. of chris with his hair up and wearing the two sunglasses because he's such a mood and she talked about this of of finding it wanting it because of the fact that it's this kind of mood and it's this marker of a type of identity and um and it was the article about this tattoo was very it was written in and we've talked about this a lot on this podcast, I feel, of the way how some articles are written in a very, like, slanted, aren't these people weird type of... Like the article about um, Daniel the Jedi being thrown yeah. the Tesco. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everything's just a little bit tongue-in-cheek and not being taken all that seriously. Yeah, and the article was written in a very, like, isn't this person weird getting a tattoo of of someone from Love Island mm. on their body. And it, it, I think it misses that element of the connection of, it's not about it being from Love Island even, and it's not even about Chris as a person, but it is about Chris and it is about Love Island all at the same time, where it's, it's about that moment, it's about the mood, about the character and about the connection that's being formed rather than about oh i love love island although you can get a tattoo for loving love island as well but it's always going to be much deeper than that there's a reason why you like it there's a reason Mm. why you're connected to it there's a reason why you love it so much but i always found that as a really great example piece because i i i do think there's a lot of um i i don't want to say derision but derision (laughs) yeah yeah there is and I think a lot of that comes down to, and this is an interesting thing, and it's of the permanence of tattoos. Mm. That, of course, a, a tattoo isn't like cosplaying something or dressing up for Halloween uh, or even dyeing your hair. It's it's one of those things where there's no going back. I know there's laser removal surgery and so on, but let, let's park that to one side for a moment. It's usually, you, you know, you usually get tattoos nine times out of ten, probably more intending to not get rid of it um so that is often it's seen by some people as an extreme move i think people i've spoken to aren't comfortable with the ideas of getting tattoos they often talk about the permanence of it and it seems and and it's and they almost speak about it as if it's an extreme move uh which of course i don't think it is at all um but the permanence is an interesting question because of late um i've noticed in particular ever since morrissey uh from the smiths has made some particularly unsavory remarks um in the public sphere and has shown support for britain first um in 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 the past couple of years i've seen people on social media express their regret about getting a smith's tattoo and it's interesting because the Smiths always, and I think I've discussed this on a podcast before, I don't know if it's this one or if it's what's interesting about, but the Smiths generally appealed to a particular type of person. And that type of person is not in keeping 
with um, some of the unsavory remarks that Morrissey has made. Um, so people have been expressing regret because, of course, they now feel that this tattoo is representing something different. Um, and it's an interesting scenario, isn't it? Because I know exactly what you're going to say, Vivian. You're going to come back to Death of the Author. Well, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, there are other members in the Smiths as well who contribute to what the Smiths were, are, were. Um, but, of course, there's something about Morrissey, and um, you see this with a lot of acts uh, who've fallen from grace um, because of the lead singer. There's something about the fact that it's the singer that maybe it would be not so bad if it was, say, like the bass player or something. But when it's the voice of the band, when it's the lyricist of the band, it's worse that he's made these statements and people online are saying, you know, I've got this Smith's tattoo and I regret it now. Is that permanent aspect that they got it at a time where they wouldn't get it now. And of course, there's plenty of other examples of this as well, whether someone's got yeah. a Michael Jackson tattoo or... Yeah, let's say we're Harry Potter at this point. Because um, I know that your wife is a very big Harry Potter fan. Does she have any Harry Potter tattoos? Uh, she does. Um, I'm trying to remember. She's just got the one um, on her foot. Um, mm. She's got... Um, it's really nice, actually. Uh, some lilies. And um, in the middle is the um, Deathly Hallow symbol. And there's a shaded lightning bolt weaving through the Deathly Hallows. And on the scroll it says always, because Snape. And um, there's a little paw pad there as well. Uh, a cat's paw pad print thing. Um, because uh, at the time we only had one cat. Uh, and now we've got four, but he's called, he was he still is called Cedric. But he was our only cat at the time. He was named after Cedric Diggory from Harry Potter. Um, so that was a little shout out to Cedric uh, in her tattoo as well. And um, I'm very glad to say she doesn't regret it at all, despite her, you know, her um, rejection of J.K. Rowling after um, her um, comments regarding the. Trans I mean, we can. They're transphobic comments. Yeah, they are. I was just trying. <laughs> I was just trying to be careful because. Um, some places have said this of late and have found themselves facing libel charges. <laughs> but um You know, come at me. Which is a very <laughs> which is a very interesting conversation to be had about cancel culture in general. When the rich and famous claim to be cancelled but then can literally just inflict financial ruin on a small independent journalistic website. Yeah. Uh who don't have the financial resources to um go to a legal case but yes um unsavory remarks have been made and um as harry potter fans we have struggled with our enjoyment of harry potter neither toria nor i have read the harry potter books since now granted i only read them once a decade um but toria used to read them very frequently and i hope that she does again soon um because we we love those books and they're very important to us and um but 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 it's really interesting like so on the subject of tattoos Tori's most recent tattoo was um good omens themed because good omens is like her new harry potter now mm. um 
and it helps that Neil Gaiman is wonderful. Um, but it, uh, but, but I think that, you know, we've got four cats named after Harry Potter characters. If we were to get a fifth cat right now, I don't know what we would name the cat, but I can pretty much guarantee it won't be a Harry Potter character. And that's kind of sad. At the same time, we were running out of, like, <laughs> characters that he would want to name your pet after. When we named our fourth cat Harry, some of our friends joked that we were really scraping the barrel. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I could definitely see us getting a cat named after... We've, well, we've wanted a golden retriever called Zelda for a long time. Because wouldn't that be beautiful? That um, would be. But she would be very expensive. Um, so maybe like a white cat called a zero fail or something. That'd be quite nice. But, uh, but, but back on topic, um, she doesn't regret getting that tattoo at all, which is great. Um, but I couldn't see her getting another Harry Potter themed one now. And we've had conversations about this in the past and your very death of the author, these books now belong to us, not well, to yes. her. And... But I, I think there's a, another element when it comes to tattoos, which is that um, they're more than just a marking of of your identity, but it's also marking of your identity at a particular time. And there was, um, mm. I was, I was watching a documentary on um, uh, tattoos and stuff a couple of years ago now, but they, the main person that they were kind of chatting with is someone who just has tattoos all over. And they were saying that, um, there's like this one particular tattoo of a band that they listened to when they were like 15. They got the tattoo when they were like 15 or 16. And it was some small punk group that doesn't exist anymore and hasn't listened to in 20 years, you know? Mm. And he was saying that he doesn't, but it's not like he regrets it no, because no. even though he doesn't like them, and I know this is a very different, like not listening to something just because you've fallen out of, interest is very different than what you're talking about but i think it's somewhat connected in the sense that he says that to him it's more of a marker of who he was when he was 15 mm. and that by looking at it it's almost like looking at the various tattoos are the different stages of his life and the different stories that are accompanied with that that is a way of telling the story of of him mm through yeah, these yeah. images and that even though it's like well that was me at 15 which isn't me now but I've got tattoos that are me now and I can tell those stories through those tattoos and it's and it's that communication of it through um the narrative like because even if you got a and I'm gonna say a quote unquote because people can't see me do the air quotes around this but a, a meaningful tattoo so um when I was getting my tattoo uh, the tattooist made a very interesting remark because he thought that it wasn't my first tattoo because, um, A, I wasn't screaming out in pain or something, even though I got it in a very comfortable, not painful spot. Um, but also uh, because I got a Lord of the Rings thing. And he said that most people get something meaningful for their first tattoo, which mm. it was a very interesting commentary on how he saw this as a very not meaningful thing, even though, as I explained at the beginning of this episode, it's incredibly meaningful to me. Absolutely. Um, so, but even if I were to, I don't know, get a koi fish to represent my sister or something like kind of 
to me that feels really generic, but like something like that, that's like, oh, I'm getting this to commemorate someone who passed or someone that I love or something like that. It, it would still be a marker of that point in time. Yeah. And you might feel differently later. You know, I, I'm sure it will not happen, but if you and Toria break up, you, do you, know you have these tattoos of each other. That's really funny that you should say that. And I don't know if this says a lot about how people like revel in drama and misery. But when we shared um, a picture of um, our tattoos, so we had our arms lined up side by side so you could see both puzzle pieces. Um, the first response we got was, oh, so what about when you get divorced? <laughs> Which, on the one hand, is not a particularly nice thing to say. But also, I just thought it was really interesting that that was the default response. Yeah. But, you know, he's tattooed so six years old now. I would, I would imagine that I don't... I've met you two now in person. Uh, well, I've met you in person before, but I finally met Toria in person recently. Um, I do not think it will happen. But... Um, but what if we did? But if it did, I don't see either of you as getting it removed or no. covered up or something like that because you've been together now for so long mm. that it's such a pivotal point in your life that at the end of it, you would be a completely different person than when you started. And it's an important story point in your life. Yeah, because I was thinking the other day about how in a handful of years' time we will have been together for over half my life. Which feels really strange to say. <laughs> but, you know, like you were saying, you know, so then that tattoo, if this hypothetical situation happened, would represent over half my life. Yeah. And you're not going to try to erase that huge pivotal amount of time mm. in your life mm. it just feels weird yeah yeah absolutely i've been i've been talking to tom about getting couple tattoos but we just haven't we don't have a thing that makes sense or would cuz i'm not going to get his name that just sounds boring um, <laughs> <laughs> um get a heart get a heart with a with thomas written around it yeah <laughs> Like those uh, mom tattoos, but, but it just says Tom across it. Yeah, you you look like a pirate. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, I think that like... I'm sure you it, could find some sort of anime we... that you two have in common that you could draw something I, I mean, I don't We <laughs> He's going to hate that I'm going to bring this up. But the only thing that we've talked about maybe getting is... Um, I was talking about how I would get a sleepy sheep. Because whatever I'm tired, he calls me a sleepy sheepy. <laughs> That's case. <laughs> you should do that. I mean, why not? But I, I, it's one of those. Well, I know that if if he were to pass away before me, that I would want to get one of those memorial tattoos that you can get, where you get the ashes like in the ink oh, of the tattoo. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I've heard about this. Wow, yeah. Um, and I, I, I have already know that like if. If he passed away, I would want to do that with a, a chunk of his ashes. But I, again, I think the only thing I would get is a sleepy sheep. But <laughs> <laughs> which I'm sure he would be delighted about. 
<laughs> I'm sure. But like, I, yeah. And I think that, I mean, the memorial tattoos are really fascinating about talk about pop culture tattoos of, and religion and these intersections mm-hmm. of the- relearning how to memorialize dead yeah. in contemporary society using tattoos is... And, I, and you know, the fact that you, know, you then literally have that person... It's, it's, that person is in your body. Yeah. <laughs> um, this, yeah. this, this podcast is not marked with explicit, so I can't. Yeah, no. Uh, um, we'll skate over that. Um, yeah, ab- but absolutely. And of course, you're taking them everywhere you go. That's, that's something I've always liked about tattoos is that I can't forget them in the morning. Mm. So I, I, you know, where, wherever I go, if I want to assert my dominance as a My Chemical Romance fan, I can assert it. That's a joke, obviously. I'm not going to this, but if I, but it is nice to be able to take those as visual markers of who I am. And I do like the visual marker element, but I also like the things that they make me think of. I draw, I draw inspiration from a lot of my tattoos in different ways, and that can be very motivational. Yeah. Like if I'm really struggling with a piece of work or getting a piece of writing done um, or so on, often looking at my little Beethoven tattoo gives me motivation because I look up to the two people who made that record and the determination and the constant effort they put into what they do, even now into their 70s. And I think, yeah, I can do this. And it kind of just pushes. It's just little things like that. I don't even notice that I'm doing it. I don't just sit down there and stare at the tattoo and think, right, you know, when Eye of the Tiger starts playing. <laughs> um, it, they're, they're often subconscious little things. But but I do them regardless. And But but I will admit as well, whenever somebody says, oh yeah, I love my chemical romance, I'm like, have you seen this? <laughs> I have yeah, met. so I was... I was about to ask, you started this episode asking, well, not started, started, but in the beginning of this episode, you asked if there were instances where I would purposely hide the tattoo. Mm. Are there instances where you purposefully try to show it off? Yes. Um, Amusingly, um, when I only had um, two tattoos, so when I had the My Camcro Man Spider one, but before I met Jared Way... Um, I went to see him play an intimate gig in Portsmouth. And I said to Tori at the end, oh, shall we go? And she said, no, no, I, I think he's going to be coming out because the stage, because it was such a tiny venue that the stage door was into the crowd. And she was like, he's mm. got to come out eventually. So if we just stay here and nobody tells us to leave, he'll come out. And other people cottoned on to the same idea as well. And we noticed they started putting the barricade around the door anticipate so and um she overheard a security guard say to another security guard he's coming out in a moment so we were we were thinking oh god it's happening it's happening it's happening and the first (laughs) thing i did is i rolled the sleeve of my t-shirt up because i wanted to show him the tattoo but when i spoke to him i was so emotionally overwhelmed and i had a million and one things running through my mind because you know before you meet somebody that you do idolize you think oh i'd love to ask them about this what was their thought process when they wrote that oh i'd want to tell them about this but when you do meet them and especially when you weren't expecting to because i didn't go into that gig thinking i would meet him especially when you weren't expecting to your brain turns to mush or at least mine did so i managed to ask him to do the writing 
for the tattoo. I told him something about how I loved the new songs that he played. And I think the rest of it was just incoherent babbling from me trying to hold it together. (laughs) And then after our conversation was over, I realised that I didn't show him the tattoo that I'd rolled my sleeve up just to show him. So yes, there are instances where I do that. And um, when I see Sparks next year, provided the Omicron Wave doesn't hit us too hard, um, I will make sure that I'm wearing a t-shirt so that people can see my little Beethoven tattoo. Um, just because I think it makes me look cool. Like, <laughs> I know I'm not a particularly cool person, but if I'm in if I'm in a room full of like two thousand Sparks fans and I'm walking around with a little Beethoven tattoo, that makes me cool. I'm one of the cool kids, but also because I just I just want people to see it because I'm really proud of it. I think it looks really good. I want them to see it as well. How about you though? Have you ever wanted people to see your Lord of the Rings tattoo? Um, yeah, I think so. Um. But I, I mean, nothing like, I, mean, I, I never met Tolkien, uh, <laughs> which might surprise people. Um, but I, it's more of like, uh, in certain instances, when I'm maybe around people who I know also like it. Mm. Um, I, <laughs> I don't know if any of them listen to this, but when I was around Tom's family, I was particularly both self-conscious of whether or not I should be showing it off or whether I should be hiding it Mm. because I didn't know how they felt about tattoos but I know that particularly his mother but his family in general are huge Tolkien fans so it was one of those to me it was like a moment of being like look I'm (laughs) I should be good for your son because I have a Tolkien tattoo Mm. but then also like but then do they like tattoos (laughs) but but it worked but at least it was (laughs) A tattoo of something that they're incredibly passionate about and not like... Yeah, I um, think they would understand it as something that is meaningful. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, so there were... It, like, when I when I was meeting his family, I did, I did think about whether or not my tattoo was on display. I don't know if Tom even knows this, so I'm, I'm really sorry if that makes me awkward. Um... <laughs> But I've also done it with students. Uh, we were talking about tattoos at one point in one of my courses, and I took off my jumper on purpose to try to... Because uh, I think when you're talking to students in particular, and when it's first years, they get really anxious about saying the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted to make sure that they knew that it was like, I don't, I don't look down on people for having tattoos because they weren't really sure how to navigate the conversation. So it was a really, again, it was a subtle way using your body cues and your body as communication tool to demonstrate to people that actually I'm, I am okay with the idea of talking about tattoos. So, um, but yeah, I think that's mostly the instances where it's been, that I've been consciously aware of trying to show it off. But I, I got it in like, cause it's a weird spot on my arm because I wanted it to be high enough up that I could easily put like a, you know, a t-shirt or a jumper on and it would hide it. But I also wanted it low enough where if I was wearing like a normal short sleeve shirt, you would be able to see it a little bit. Mm. So yeah, cause um, it is a bit lower than mine. It is a little bit lower. Yeah. So I wanted, like, when I wear a a short sleeve shirt, you can typically see at least the bottom of it, if not the whole thing, depending on the shirt. 
And if you're a Lord of the Rings fan, you're going to recognise it instantly. I mean, I did exactly. when I first met you, because uh, when I first met you, you were wearing, I can't remember where it was, I think it was in Wolverhampton. Um, Probably? Yeah, and... Um, yeah, I think Wolverhampton was one of the first BASRs I went yeah, to. Yeah, so. and, uh, and I remember noticing immediately that you had the one ring uh, yeah. inscription on your arm. Um, side note that I appreciate is completely off topic, but mentioning meeting Tolkien, I think this is kind of cool. Toria has met Tolkien's grandson mm. and told him about our annual ritual of watching the Lord of the Rings film um, on New Year's Eve, the entire extended edition. And he thought it was amazing. And he thought it was absolutely fantastic that we do that. So whenever we do, uh, whenever, and well, Every New Year's Eve when we do watch Lord of the Rings, we always briefly say, do you remember that time how Christopher, uh, no, I think it was Christopher Tolkien's son. Or yeah, I was about not, to say, Chris is the, is the son. But maybe not. Either way, it was Tolkien's grandson and thought that it was amazing that uh, we do that. And incidentally, uh, he said he hated the Hobbit films. <laughs> <laughs> Make a vow what you will. I think that was a good kind of brief overview of some of the aspects of tattoos and popular culture tattoos and how we communicate with them. Mm. Um, I did want to say for people who are listening that we are going to be taking a season break. Um, I think our last episode comes out in January sometime for season, technically season, season two. So for, um, people who listened before we did the shift, I am keeping up all of the interviews that I did when this was the original format, because I want people to still be able to access those. Yeah. Those people are still doing amazing work and deserve to be listened to. And Alan is one of them. Um, and... Did but, I tell you about how so the, the download numbers for your episode spiked when we started doing these? Really? Is that yeah. so? <laughs> oh, that's there nice. There you go. If, if, you, if you're one of those people who went and uh, sought out that episode after hearing me uh, chat with Vivian in this format, thank you. That's really nice. Yeah, so those are still there. I couldn't put in a season zero. They wouldn't let me. Um, it had to at least be over one. So that is technically season one. So the start of this one is marked as season two. Um, but it'd be season one of, of our version of it. But we're going to take a little bit of a break. I think the ending of it is in January and then we'll come back in around April or May. Um, mm. So we have a little bit of a break. It gives Alan and I a little bit of a, of a break from recording because we do another podcast as well and it can be draining to do two at the same time. Um, but same also day. it gives us time to do a little bit of research and to kind of approach the next one really fresh and with with actual material and knowledge to to drop on y'all. So um, that gives us a little bit of time to do all of that kind of stuff. And we'll, we'll announce it again closer to time, but I just wanted people to be a little bit aware of that. So if you're not already subscribed on some kind of format, go ahead and do that. So that way, when we come back at the season, after the season break, you'll, you'll be alerted and, and get the first episode down. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if people want to talk to you about your popular culture tattoos, Alid, where can they go? They can go to uh, my Twitter page at Thomas and speak to me about pop culture stuff there. And how about you, Vivian? You can go to Twitter or Instagram at VivianAcimos on both formats. Um, and you can also go to the website IncidentalMythology.com where I have a blog about pop culture tattoos that you can read. 
um, and about other things as well. Um, and I think by the time this goes live, Alid's talk will probably be either on YouTube or about to go on YouTube. Hmm. Um, so um, that, that's on Alltac. So I'll include a link to that in the description uh, of this episode if uh, it's already on YouTube. Cool. So you can hear multiple interviews <laughs> and discussions of Alid today. Yeah, I know, right? It's the Alid first. <laughs> Well, as always, thanks for joining me, Alan. And thank you for having me, Lily. And thank you for listening. Bye, folks. Bye.